Hello, and welcome to High Functioning. Let's try that again. This is Maybe Tomorrow. I'm Bria. And I'm Caroline. We're two friends having an unfiltered conversation about our own personal journeys with anxiety. And inviting you to help us break down the stigmas by celebrating this very human experience. Our highs, our lows, our quirks, and everything in between. No, but like, seriously, let's try this again. <laughs> okay. All right, I had to get that out of the way. <laughs> no, but really. Well, we are live. Cheers. I wish I had my wine. Cheers. I'm very bummed you don't have your wine, but this well, does look like a fishbowl. It. Yeah, I, it looks really big on the screen. So it's I was like, yeah, big. you get that wine. Um, it's kind of big. <laughs> okay, so Nate got a new job today. So we're oh, did celebrating. He? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Tell him congrats. Yes, I'm very excited. He will be remote as well. Oh, we'll look at you life. guys living that like nomad life. Are you guys going to travel more? Probably because he'll be able to work you know, remote anywhere with me and, um, he can wear yoga pants with me too. Yeah. Your husband is now like your coworker. I, that's what I was saying. We, we have desks next to each other and I propped myself up over here cause I worked half of the day from the office, came back here and I looked at him and I was like, you're going to be my coworker soon. Is he How so cool excited? Is that? He's very excited. Did he start? No, he starts, well, he's got to put in his notice, so he starts in a couple weeks. Okay. Hopefully he gets some fun employment. Uh, No, he's stopping on Friday at his current job and then starting on Monday, and I highly encourage him to to take the week off because he's going to have some PTO that he can get paid out. So I told him he should take it off, and he's not, but it's okay. I think they're very anxious for him to start, which is exciting. That is exciting. Oh, yeah, you should definitely be celebrating, especially after we record. But yes. tell him I said congrats. That's I will. Really exciting. I will. New year, new job. Yeah. New coworker. New coworker, and it's me. Surprise. <laughs> I love it. I'm um, excited. So we have some news, which is we are no longer high functioning. I mean, we had a good two episode run, <laughs> but. I guess we can back up and tell everybody the story about how this happened. So Bria, who has been very, very hardworking at getting everything set up and has been the master of audio mixing and putting these records or these recordings together. They're records. Records. (laughs) Yeah. She finally texted me and said, hey, I'm pushing these live. And I was like, okay, cool. And (laughs) I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And I was like all for it. I think I was also just sort of in like a haze of like, I've been painting and doing house stuff. So I was like, sure, whatever. And you texted me a screenshot. I was in Miami. So I had plenty of time to myself. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You were in Miami. I was. So I was just like crunching away. And I was like, we're getting this posted in January because we recorded it and said the date like idiots. (laughs) But it was around resolutions, which is appropriate. Yeah. And I, the unexpected happened. We sent it out into the universe and Bria excitedly went on to Spotify to see what it looks like live 
So we search and what do we find? Another podcast called High Functioning. I what? mean, and it's about the same fucking thing. <laughs> I think I think I was having like an out of body experience at that moment where I was like, "Oh wait, did I just start a podcast with another person under a different name?" That's not our branding. We agreed on our branding. Why why is it this blue HF? Yeah, I was like, did I make that? And <laughs> Yeah, you I came up with it, it in me. a dream just like I came up with that name in a dream. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I think we it felt like a little bit of a blow because we were so excited to put it out into the universe and we got this curveball that we weren't really expecting to ever have to tackle. You know, Man. everybody thinks that they're so unique, so special, but you forget how many people are out there in the universe. And I don't know if I told you this, but I like thought about it, right? Like I went through the whole entire wave of emotions. Yeah. At first I was like, eh, okay. Then I just like, then I started thinking about it more and I started like, it started stewing with me. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And all <laughs> of a sudden I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, motherfucker. And it wasn't the fact that it wasn't the fact that the you name have was to taken. tell people where you were and what you were doing when you got the text from me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I was just like getting ready to shower, call it a night, and you know I had some music playing. I was gonna take a hot shower, and I get a text message from Bria that says I'm pushing it live, and I was like, cool, this is a great night. I got some walls painted. I got a podcast out. Like it was so super productive. Right. And then I get a screenshot and it says, um, dot, dot, dot. And at first I didn't see the screenshot. So I was wondering why you said up and I was waiting and I was so confused. And then all of a sudden the rest of it came in where you were like, what is this? Look at what I found. And I'm just standing in my bathroom, completely naked stunned just staring at my phone not knowing what to do not knowing how to react at first I was like yeah that's that's the podcast Bria that's what we decided on um <laughs> I didn't put it two and two together that it was another podcast with the same name similar concept but yeah so I think oh I'm I trying that- to find the original yeah I go um send you the screenshot what the fuck and you go wait, what? Yeah, it definitely took a minute to process. So their um, first episode, I think, went live, like, literally five days before we pushed that one. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, a crazy thing for the the universe was, like, oh, you want to talk about anxiety? I'll throw you a curveball, and... Oh, you had a dream about it, about that name? (laughs) Because I was incepting into somebody else's brain... That's exactly it. I think that's what happened. Aside from being anxious, Bria is also a mind reader. <laughs> it's one of my powers that offsets it totally my anxiety. Is. It totally is. Um, all that to say, I think after going through the full range of emotions, and I feel like during that week period, you and I sort of like had to like deal with this on our own terms, just yeah. being like super anxious getting super like 
like antsy about like, what do we do next? And I, I, there were no answers, but so there was no use in us almost like talking to each other. Cause I felt like we were like, I need to come to the other per to the table with the, to the other person with some solutions. And I don't have any. Yeah. I'm just still pissed. I think all that to say, I, I thought about it and I also listened to it and it is such a great podcast. It, it is a little bit more all encompassing, um, yeah. talking about other experiences that are across a broad spectrum of issues in mental health, which is something I think, Bria, you and I have talked very extensively about. And uh, we're fortunate that, you know, we haven't had a lot of those experiences. But with that to say, that's why we chose our niche to be more in anxiety. Um, And, you know, hearing stories about depression and ADHD. It was so interesting to hear those different types of perspectives. And for me, it was also very uplifting to hear a conversation from other females uh, that are very similar to us, having those same conversations on the other side of the world. Because I think before you and I actually met and talked about this, we probably in our own right felt very isolated and wondering if there's anybody else experiencing the same things that we are and we are very fortunate to have like found each other and felt this like equal passion to create a podcast that we can share with others that starts to bridge a lot of the um, experiences and the information that's out there on the internet and have a genuine conversation about it so that's sort of like where I got to was like maybe just like more of a point of gratitude, but it took me a whole hell of a long time to get there. Several days. Yeah. And I rage painted. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you were productive out of it, which is good. I tried to be, I think it was for the best. And I think that we have come up with a, an even better name than what we had before, because it is more applicable to anxiety specifically as you mentioned, high functioning, great podcast suggests listening to that. Um, and it truthfully fits their topics more because they talk about thing more broad things. And for us, I think it maybe gave us a little bit of a, an opportunity to take a step back. And so it's nail biters unite. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if we're still paying homage to like our first episode, that is always going to be like the subtext of our podcast. No, but I, I'm so excited about it. Actually, um, Josh came up with it, which is so impressive, but the new name is maybe tomorrow. And the reason why we came up with this name was for several different reasons, One is the social anxiety aspect of the sort of dreaded feeling of making plans and then just really hoping that somebody cancels on you. Actually, I think I read a tweet recently of somebody who suggested that there be an app for people, like when you make plans, it's almost a calendar, and you can anonymously say whether or not you still want to go with those plans. And if the other person also says, Like, so if you say, no, I don't want to do that movie tonight. And then that other person also says, no, it cancels it. But if you say no and they say, yes, they never know. And you you said no, they never know you said no. 
That is genius. Somebody needs to invest in that. It is genius. I don't, I need to give somebody credit for that, but that I think hits the heart of social anxiety, which is some of the joy of missing out. And then the other aspect of it um, is kind of tied to some of the feelings that you get around what we're going to be talking about today related to perfectionism and how sometimes you can be crippled either by the decision-making of things or by getting something to be perfect so that you, you almost procrastinate things because you want it to be perfect. So it's like that big daunting project that you don't want to start. And so maybe tomorrow is a perfect fit. Yeah. And I like it because it's sort of a double entendre, right? Like it paints that realistic picture of anxiety and different aspects of it. Uh, But it's also like sort of hopeful too, right? That there's always like another day to just try to change something. So yeah, we're sticking with it. Nobody else has it to my knowledge. Nobody else it. Yep. Bria and I definitely did some due diligence on that. Yeah, I think the only the only people that have it is really like this DJ duo in 2020, which <laughs> arguably maybe maybe Bria and I are the DJ duo. Yeah, I mean, I just gave you a little bit of that rewind, that little yeah, record. Era, era. Yeah, so there you go. We're also going to uh, tour as well. So Yep. Well, maybe, maybe if we get big enough, we will be able to go on tour with this podcast. That'll be oh, maybe the tomorrow. dream, the dream. Just take our social anxiety to the stage. Yeah, I'm here for it. I guess this is a perfect sort of segue into our, our big topic today, which um, after having experienced sort of a lot of the obstacles that we face with actually starting something and then having it out into the universe and then realizing that we had to take a couple steps back. Like that was a huge blow for us. Um, It felt a little deflating um, and we felt defeated, but I think it's also a really great way to check ourselves and also talk about the broader issue here, which is um, perfectionism and sort of what it means to be a perfectionist and where it comes from. How do we cope with it? How do we deal with it? So many different questions we can ask about it. Well, I think it's very real and timely because one of the things that we were just talking about related to getting the podcast out the door and just the like initial feelings of starting something new. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago too, where Uh, you had brought up, you know, people always say, just sign up for that class or just go to acupuncture. And it's really all of the multiple different levels that go into taking some of those steps into trying something new. But along with that also comes sort of this underlying layer, which is the perfectionism side of it, which is, oh, go take that dance class. And it's like, well, I'm going to suck at dance and I'm going to expect that I get it out the door. And I feel like that's sort of what we got stuck on a bit with this podcast too, because we've been talking about it for a while and I love the audio side of things. And so trying to get that right was a lot of editing that was probably unnecessary. 
because I'm again, a crazy person and just felt like I needed to go through all of the ums and likes, which is impossible. You guys can deal with it. I'm sorry. It's how we talk. But there were just other things that were holding me up from actually being able to push it live. And my goal was this has to go out in January. And so I think that's why one of the things that frustrated me so much was that when we did finally publish it, just to see that someone beat us by like a couple of days. And so there was a feeling of competition associated to that. And then almost a feeling of sort of beating yourself up for being a perfectionist about it, bringing this back to that all turning out to be a good thing ultimately. But that perfectionism is an underlying thing in, you know, really everything that we do. I just feel like this is timely because it's a perfect example of what we've run into with this podcast. And I'm sure that you have your own feelings about starting this up and some of the similar perfectionism elements. Where do you feel like it's started for you or how do you feel like perfectionism manifests itself in you? With this podcast specifically, it, it felt like a project that I could absolutely be passionate about but it was also a double-edged sword. Because I yeah. was so passionate about it, I, I made sure that every piece of it was going to be perfect. I remember when we first started brainstorming about this, it was back in October, November, and we started a doc full of ideas, started really throwing around um, themes and how to group them, building out a content calendar. I mean, we were basically treating it as if it was an entire media empire. Yeah, it was like a full-time job. Yeah, on top of our actual full-time jobs. Yep. Um, and to an extent, it's, it's so wonderful to treat something with that level of care and thoughtfulness. And um, I pride myself on acting with integrity and doing the best I can. But... Um, especially recently, I had to get to a point where I had to also recognize that it can be crippling. And so when I felt the same wave of emotions as you did, where you were annoyed, then defeated, then sort of like stuck and lost, you didn't know, well, what next? Yeah. And I remember you specifically saying like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really motivated right now. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because that was exactly how I was feeling. Yeah. But I didn't know how to articulate that because in my mind, I was like, well, we did everything right. So this shouldn't be happening. Right. And when you think like that, you have a tendency to only see life in binaries mm -hmm. or as if everything is formulaic that if I put in these inputs, it will yield this output. And Isn't that what Josh told you? Like, Caroline, you live in a black and white world. There is a totally, <laughs> Yes, it totally is. And I'm like, what do you mean there's a gray area? And um, I don't like gray. No, I hate gray. Um, and this, is, this has been a really interesting experience. Um, but to go back to sort of your question about when did it start, 
I mean, for as long as I can remember, there's always been this like element of having to be the best, always doing more than I need to. Um, I think culturally it comes from being from a, an Asian American family. Um, my parents are immigrants who have worked hard to like give my brother and I the life that we have today. And uh, they all obviously want to see us do better. So um, there's always, it's such a stereotype, but the stereotype of like the quote unquote tiger bomb, you know, mm-hmm. your parents always pushing you. Um, there is an element of that that is very true. Um, it comes from a place of caring, but it also sends like a message of there's only one way to do this right. Yeah. And you have to do this or else, or else you fail. Um, so there is no gray area there, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're like, Success I have to or do this. failure, no medium. Totally, totally. And something that I'm learning, especially with this podcast, which is, I'm so glad that we have a side project that we can sort of, sort of pour ourselves into. And it's also becoming an experiment for us is understanding that there is a process. And as much as we care about the end product, the process is just as important. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 32 this month and Woo-hoo, 32. I know Aquarians. Um, yeah. Nate's Nate's an Aquarius too. And he just turned 32. Shut up. Really? When's his yeah. birthday? His birthday was on Tuesday. Oh, happy birthday, Nate. He's just winning. Right. He, he had a birthday. He was, he was born 32 years ago and he got a new job. Yeah, and get this, people. Nate also made our wonderful branding. Yes. If I can make up my mind on what Squarespace layout I want, (laughs) I will push it out. How supportive are they, though, right? Like, the name came from Josh now, and the branding comes from Nate, so it actually feels even better that we have, (laughs) that they've been embedded in all of it and all the creativity around it. We're just here to yeah, talk. Our, we're basically, <laughs> if one day, one day our voices are replaced with two deep voices, yeah. we've just, we've just surrendered <laughs> the entire lost. podcast. Yeah. We've failed. Um, to our significant others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, I think that it's just something that's always been embedded in me. I have I have no idea, no specific moment that I can remember that I felt like I had to do better. It was just something that was always ingrained in me. And it Mm -hmm. has taken years to actually accept that being a perfectionist isn't a something to be super prideful about. You can be prideful about um, having integrity in your work, right? Caring about quality, but there are some downsides to it too. Yeah, it's been the same for me too. And I think that for me, it came from comparing myself to myself. So I mentioned earlier that in previous episodes that I was always really good at school. And so I think once I started to come home with A's and I saw the response that I got to those A's, I was like, oh, well, I have to keep continuing to do this. And then there was the layer of, okay, well, now can I compare myself against everybody else at school who's, you know, getting A's and things like that? 
And the, the bummer and the downside of that, which I've mentioned before, is that anytime I tried something new, I always had this expectation of myself that I would come out of it and be great. And the funny thing is that actually looking back, even on school, I wasn't good at school when I was little. When I was in kindergarten, I had a really hard time learning my ABCs. And I remember my teacher like talking to me about it and me crying on the recess field, like so sad that Bria can't learn the ABCs. But I prevailed and then like, you know, at whatever point, I don't even really remember when grades started to become a big thing or where I realized that I was being hard on myself about that kind of stuff, like probably once tests and things like that started to actually become the norm, but it almost became addictive. And now that's carried on into my work life, into anything else that I still continue to pick up. Just this level of, regardless of me trying something new, I have an expectation that I'm going to be really good at it. It's actually interesting because we started to do research like five minutes before we started this podcast (laughs) and came across an article that was actually posted, what, what did I say? 18 hours ago? Hell yeah. It's 18 hours ago. Look at us from CNN Health and we will add this to the podcast for resources but it's called Searching for the Perfect Meditation to Fight Perfectionism. It's not even really focused on meditation, but rather it it speaks a little bit to what perfectionism is and that there are actually three types of perfectionists, which I found really interesting. So I want to start off with what they have defined what perfectionism means. So it says perfectionism isn't the same as working really hard, trying your best, or being competitive. Instead, the mindset is an unrealistic reach for the unattainable, where mistakes are personal flaws, there's no self-compassion, and only being flawless will make you good enough. What is your reaction to that definition? I mean, I think it definitely hits the nail on the head. I mean, I think about all the times I have been striving to be the best and ended up being, ended up being, I guess, disappointed or let down by my own terms because I had set unrealistic standards. I do that in relationships as well. So setting that with like, even just like personal relationships, romantic relationships, sorry, Josh. Um, I promise that's gotten better, but (laughs) it's still just, if somebody doesn't meet an expectation, you know, it's a huge letdown. And the problem with that is, yes, it's, it's good. It's good to have standards, especially when you're dealing with other people, you know, you know what you want, but it also, it also takes the humanness, if that is a word, out of interacting with people, right? From seeing people for their flaws. And that is something that is inherently human, that we are inherently flawed. I am not a perfect person. I know that, but I am going to keep trying to be. And that's something that I have been battling against for so long. Um, So I think when you brought this article up, it was interesting to sort of dive into the different types of perfectionists. And I think that 
people who relate to this will be able to see parts of themselves in each definition. So the first type is called the self-oriented perfectionism, where you put demands on yourself. The, the second type is being other-oriented, where you demand perfection from others. And then that third is called socially prescribed perfectionism, where the person believes they are being held to high standards by others. And I think, Bria, you and I, we have bonded on sort of like all each level. Yeah. I'm saw, like, am I allowed to have all three? Yeah, you're like, can I just claim all? <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide which one it is, but I feel like they're not mutually exclusive. I, yeah, and I think, and I think being a perfectionist is, is something that extends beyond yourself. And it's yeah. just been an interesting experience to sort of like trying to understand how to not put those same expectations on others, right? Because mm. your friends, your family members, they didn't ask for that, you know? Um, you're putting conditions on relationships all of a sudden that if they don't uphold those expectations or standards that you have set that are, albeit pretty arbitrary yeah. and determined by a jury of one, um, that, that surely causes problems, right? So, so do you um, feel like your primary one at least initially started with the socially prescribed perfectionism because you mentioned kind of the familial expectations early on? Yeah, and I think it's also being female too. Like I yeah. think gender plays a huge role in, in it, um, especially over the last few years where we have been talking about breaking the glass ceiling um, hmm. And the rise of social media, seeing all these badass female entrepreneurs, you know, with solid bodies. Yeah, definitely with solid bodies. Like they're like eating a burger and you're like, how? I'm like looking at that photo and I think I just like my saddlebags just like grew <laughs> two inches. Um, so like, I just food prepped for the next month. I have five kids. I have a BMI of whatever a good BMI is. And I'm an entrepreneur and an Instagram influencer. Right. For coconut water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's Can we funny. talk about it's, coconut water for a second? Yeah. Do you like it? I do, but I realize that there's a certain brands, and I won't shame them on this podcast. Okay. But there are certain brands who... I just don't like the taste. It's like a little saltier. Um, it tastes actually like come demon. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna bring that up, and I was gonna tell you that if you wanted, you could totally edit that out. Um, <laughs> no, I was gonna say it. I said it. Great. So if you you heard it here first, it's it's true. If <laughs> both of us said it, everybody everybody believes it. It is. It's true. Oh God. Okay. As soon as you said salty, I was like, mm-hmm, we're gonna go there. <laughs> we're getting there. I was like, mm, say what everybody was thinking. <laughs> it's uh, true though. Yeah, you're it's right. true. I feel like I, I feel like, the like flavored ones. Do you like passion fruit coconut water? Yeah, it's uh what's the brand that I'm thinking of that I really like? Vita. Um Vita Coco. I like a lot. Um, have you ever had like coconut water out of an actual coconut? No. 
Okay, that's a game changer. Go to your like local Whole Foods or wherever. How do I'm I sure open not... the coconut? Um, do I need a machete? Like a whole... Well, if it's like a Whole Foods, they uh, open. They have the hole in there for you. What? And you just take it out. Yeah. Oh my god, this is like it tastes way better. It tastes way better. Okay, well, I'm gonna be ruined for coconut water, but I don't drink it enough, honestly, to make me sad that it ruined the other kinds. I hope you just take an actual coconut with you to work <laughs> to we work <laughs> on your commute <laughs> that was me trying to smash it on the ground <laughs> that's what that weird sound was <laughs> i i can't wait to have like a library of all your sounds it'll be great <laughs> we're we're banking them up anyway yeah. <laughs> I lost. anyways i totally love <laughs> um that was a great sidebar though i can't wait for more like of these. Um, <laughs> it was good I actually oh, the female aspect. That's what you were talking about, which I totally agree with. I mean, again, like what we were saying, I just feel like there's so many more expectations. Do you think it's because women used to be homemakers? Now we have full-time jobs and we haven't quite evolved enough for men to realize that you split things. Like, I'm lucky. Nate's, like, very good about stuff. But I do feel like there's still sort of a social expectation in some scenarios that, like, the woman still takes on more of the housework or maybe more of the child rearing. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I th- and unfortunately, I don't think it's just men that think that. I also think that there's probably, it's across, like, all genders, yeah. you know, where there is, like, still that expectation where, um women if that if you want to be seen as equal right like you have to perform as well in the workplace right there's the professional pressures but then there's the pressures outside of work that you mentioned which is like the child care um the housework the also the uh emotional labor oftentimes mm-hmm. i think we don't see um particularly men taking on the emotional labor as well that comes with um, investing into a healthy, happy relationship or um, raising healthy, happy children, right? A lot of times that's still on mom to take care of that as well. And emotional labor is just as hard as work work, right? Like going to work, imagine having to do all those things. Um, And so I feel like the conversation around the expectations around what a what a woman has to do hasn't quite reached the point where it's oh also dudes start doing more of the emotional like labor at home help your children work through tough things that they're going through um talk about feelings also help with the housework so i think it is a little that those expectations are skewed but also for women they're like whatever i gotta do this and i i'm totally in that boat as well, where I don't have kids, but I also do feel the pressures of having to compete with my male, you know, coworkers and other jobs yeah. where I was holding the same position as like a male peer. So I think aside from like cultural, there is that societal aspect where we just haven't quite progressed as far as we needed to. So um it has been impacting people on like a very deeply individual level starts to like drive them in a different way of how they operate in everyday life. Um, the decisions they make. Well, and 
you brought up a good point around career because I feel like it's not just that you have to be as good as your counterpart. It's that you have to exceed even further or there's a feeling or maybe perception that we place on ourselves that we need to exceed that in order to get the same amount of pay or to get that promotion or to be recognized. It is definitely also what they were mentioning as the first type which is sort of the self-oriented perfectionism alongside the socially prescribed where you have that feeling that other people are holding you to a higher standard than you are yourself. Yeah, and it makes me wonder just like having gone through those different definitions and thinking through, especially from a societal aspect, like how much of that becomes ingrained in us as individuals to then place those same expectations because you didn't ask for those same expectations to be placed on you by society, right? So then you're like, well, if I have to be held by these standards and I'm holding myself to these same standards, then why can't I hold everybody else to those same standards, right? So it's almost like this domino effect. It happened to me. I'm doing it to myself. Yeah. So I'm going to do that to others because that's what's fair. And yeah. And I guess that's just the way that the world works. And I think the biggest lesson here is it doesn't have to be the way the world works. What do you notice in terms of how it affects you? I guess it's, for me, like on a very micro level, it impacts the way that I make decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, It impacts how quickly I can get work done. If there's a big, hairy project that I'm trying to tackle, There are people who can just dive right in, start dissecting it, putting together a plan of action. I need to examine every like grain of sand that goes into it to fully understand the the scope, what the end project is going to be. And everything has to be wrapped up in a red bow. What happens to you when you actually get like, let's say ship that project? Do you feel relieved or do you feel like maybe there was something that you could have done a little bit better. Always, I could have done better. I don't Mm -hmm. know if this is something that you sort of have ever grappled with, but in college specifically, I, the first thing that I started studying because I wanted to go to design school and I found the closest thing, which was architecture. I associated the two so closely that I didn't I was like, I got this. It's something I'm passionate about. I thought about it so simply when I made that decision, not knowing how much work goes into that, that I wasn't willing to invest, but I still Mm -hmm. wanted the perfect end product. You're making something out of your hands. A lot of the projects are also group projects. So it was, at the time I didn't know this, but it is a project of how well you can collaborate with others. How well can you communicate to create something and present it. Um, there was been. And so this many is what times. caused you to pass out, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, i i could I could not handle things not being perfect, and yeah. working on projects. I just remember watching people like cutting things not straight or glue getting everywhere, and I'm just Ooh, like, yeah, those like, creatives, man. <laughs> the the vein above my like right eyebrow was just like pulsating. Like I can't. <laughs> I can't keep watching this. And I remember specifically (laughs) there was one class where we had to do a final project 
and it was a group project and every group had to go up and present and it was the worst project it was so hideous i was like i'm not and when it was my our group's turn to go up i was like i'm not getting up there like they were like caroline come on and i was like nope nope i'm not putting my name on that like that was the sword i was gonna die on some like yeah. some like undergraduate architecture class where i made a shitty model and i remember talking to the professor afterwards and they were like i will give you a chance to redo this and you can just present to me and i was like okay fine i'll do that but had i not gotten that chance i definitely would have failed that class but that yeah. was how like steadfast i was in in making sure everything was perfect that i didn't even think about the more important lessons wrapped into that which was like working well with others the process you know what do you learn about yourself and mm -hmm. working with others and that was that was something that i just didn't understand till like way later in life like it's so important too that your professor though like recognized that you know and i think that's something that's really important for teachers and parents and other people to be able to recognize because you know, he didn't necessarily need to give you a second chance, but when you know that there's something underlying there that is like debilitating or paralyzing somebody from being able to go up and do something, that's telling. Yeah. What about you? I was just going to say for me, I put everything in like work in progress mode or when I present things, I always call them drafts or like, this is just a start or something along those lines, just to like gauge how someone feels about something. And because I feel like sometimes things are never done, like I still have a document right now that I put out that outlined a very well thought out process, but I still put WIP at the end of it, like work in progress. And I'm like, Bria, just go back and delete it. Like it's done. It's in, it's working. Like just let it be. And I think it's not only the, you know, feedback that you have for yourself on something that, you know, you could still have an ever ending project, but also that you might get feedback from somebody else that doesn't like it. Yeah. I think that's hard, right? When, when you want to protect yourself too, from any sort of like potential criticism because yeah. you just don't want to hear it because you were so emotionally invested into this thing and everybody else in the world should care about it as much as you do. Yep. Um, and if you get criticism on something you've spent so much time on or whatever, it's just, or even not like, right. It's, it's hard no matter what, but if you feel like you didn't put out your like perfect product, it just never feels like it's good enough. Right. So this article, I will say, it's focused on, you know, kind of the mindfulness aspect of things and two things that I'm sure we will get into more details on are, that are suggested here are cognitive behavior therapy, which I've experimented with. You said you don't know what your therapist is necessarily. She's not necessarily no. a cognitive behavior therapist, um, but she sounds awesome. Um, but... In general, that's one of the things that they mention here in terms of supporting yourself in treatment of perfectionism. And then also mindfulness. 
because one of the things that they speak to is just this not being in the present and always feeling like you did something wrong in the past or that something in the future that you need to work on or whatever that is, is sort of looming. But have you found either one of those to be particularly helpful or, you know, we, we obviously have this, our topic is primarily about anxiety and sort of perfectionism is one of those underlying factors of it. But I don't think a lot of us always necessarily think about the perfectionism piece. So like, have you talked to your therapist about it? What have been some of the coping mechanisms that you found to be successful? Yeah, I think a lot of what I've been working on with my therapist, who is way awesome, which I will be talking about all the time on this podcast. Um, she sounds amazing. Is, oh yeah, everybody will get to meet her. I guess for me, it's something that I've been battling with, especially just where I'm at in life currently. And um, I started talking to her about, hey, like I keep getting analysis paralysis. I can't get past this point mentally to make a decision to sort out some type of action item to move me forward. I feel stuck, but I don't want to be stuck. It's just, there's so much that I need to consider before I move forward. And, you know, the crux of it was that it had, it has contributed to just the years of being such a perfection. It has contributed to uh, low self-esteem is sort of where we started talking Mm -hmm. about that. It comes from a place of needing approval, as we've mentioned, um, having to always be the best, which is an unrealistic expectation that we place on ourselves. But if anybody's ever wondering how bad could it get, um, it can get to a point where you just don't think much of yourself. And that was sort of like the place I started to get. And one of the exercises that it was more of a challenge that I was talking to my therapist about um, was she wanted me to find a hobby, like something where I can just not focus on like an end result, but something where I could just purely enjoy. Um, Mm -hmm. And she asked, what are some of your hobbies? Um, At this point in my life, I was working tons of hours, right? I was invested in a very committed relationship. I had, you know, I had my hobbies that were more social, but I never had any hobbies that really invested back into myself and my own personal growth. So I've always been interested in art. That's always just been more of my like creative outlet growing up, but it was something that I had forgotten. So we decided, hey, why don't we try taking a class in something that you are interested in? And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, great. I love, I love painting. I would love to try painting in a different, like maybe watercolor um, or some other medium, um, like pottery. And she was like, great, sign up for a pottery class. And she's like, next time you come in, I want to know what you signed up for. And when it is. So I had this challenge. This was back in like the summer. And months later, I would go back and she'd be like, well, and I'm like, nope, I didn't find one. They're all (laughs) booked up. Like, like pottery is like the thing right now in Denver. And, and you know, one rejection, one pottery for your obstacle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody's making their own pipes. Does anyone use that anymore for marijuana? I have no idea. 
I have, it's like I'm what like my the parents called marijuana pot. Pot? I, really? <laughs> they don't call it marijuana? No, because they smoked it. <laughs> <laughs> they claim they didn't, but they totally did. So you never, you never found the class? Well, I did. And it ended up being full and waitlisted. And the waitlist was closed. So then I called around to another place and they were waitlisted. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. So I returned back and she's like, is there anything else? Does it have to be pottery? I was like, well, I'm interested in painting. And she's like, great. Take an oil painting class. Do watercolor. And I was like, okay. And I came back a couple weeks later, a couple months later. And I was like, no, I didn't find anything. And she's like, you know, Caroline, like, we really need to talk about like why you cannot take that step. Like, what is it? I left her office feeling super deflated because mm -hmm. I was like, well, well, why? Like, I just told you, like, they were full. They were, like, impossible to get into. Yeah. And really, why that was just... Why are you disappointed in me? Right. I was like, it's not my fault that everyone wants to take a pottery class. Yeah. Um, but really, the problem was I didn't want to confront the fact that doing something new meant having to create something that isn't, that is less than perfect. Yeah. And when we started talking about that, she was like, what do you expect like to come out with like the, basically the thinker, like that you just like chiseled out of marble. <laughs> and I was like, kind of, yeah. And she was like, I have news for you. She's like, you are probably going to go in there and out of the, in the six weeks or however long this class is, whatever you create, is gonna look like shit, but <laughs> you're gonna have to like it. You're gonna, but can you at least say, it looks like shit, but I love it. Yeah. Because I made it. Or it looks like shit, but I enjoyed that time. Right. And that was a perspective that I didn't have before. It was about if I'm doing this, like I have to create something that is going to be at the Louvre. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm going to become famous off of this. <laughs> right. And that has that same instance, like replace pottery or painting with anything. And that has been yeah. the reason why I couldn't move forward. But um, did you take the painting class? I have it on my like spring 2020 goal. Like maybe uh, after I, okay. maybe after I do the, um, finish some house projects, I will actually try to take something. So I'll report back. So I'm actually, this totally reminds me of a recent experience I had. And I think you actually commented on my Instagram story related to it. I'm looking at it right now. In December, before Christmas, me and my friends thought it would be a good idea to sign up for a wreath making class. And I had made a wreath before. So I was like, oh, this is going to be totally fine. I already have one under my belt. But I got one of those like gold rings, right? Like you have an option. You can choose the gold ring or the like natural type one or a white one. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to go with this like super modern gold one. And so I start putting all of this stuff on there. You know, I have my little leaf and my berries and whatever evergreen looking thing. And I looked at it. 45 minutes in and I was like I hate it it looks like Donald Trump's hair 
seriously. Like, I didn't think it looked like that, but I'm going to go back and take a look. Okay. But what you saw was the final product. I literally in the last 15 minutes deconstructed the entire thing and redid it. Like I was still building it basically as people were getting like pushed out the door because I was just like, nope, I gotta, I gotta redo this. I gotta make it better. And I like scrapped all of it and redid it. And it was just like such a funny lesson because I think this is, this was right around when you and I were talking about like starting this podcast. And so I've just been hyper aware of like instances of my anxiety And this was one of those where I was like, in classic Bria fashion, I spend the first 45 minutes of a class doing something that I hate and only to completely ditch it and reconstruct it. And I'm very, I'm very pleased with it now. I think it looks great. Thanks. I appreciate it. But it's funny that we get so insecure about the things we create, but had fun putting it together right like obviously you're like also proud of it because you posted it oh and it's still hanging up now it looks it's great and I plan to make a spring one there we go um I I can't wait to see it it. um that's gonna be my inspo to start something so report back well now I'm gonna hold you to it so you have no choice you and like everybody that listens to this podcast, like putting this podcast out has been an extreme moment of vulnerability for me in only the fact that if it doesn't sound like the New York Times or NPR produced it, right? Like, do I have a voice as, as like soothing as like Mar- Michael Barbaro, you know? <laughs> like, no, but it you- sounds great. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a work, everything's always a work in process, process, progress and process and it'd be interesting to just like sort of like revisit this conversation months later to see like how we've evolved and you know I think like our goal of having this conversation was really just tying it back to a real experience that we had about this podcast like yeah it for a lot of people yeah and for a lot of people it's really really hard to start something you know And for some people who start something, they might start it, but they don't move forward with it. And Mm -hmm. it's such a natural part of, I think, building anything. And some oftentimes we only hear stories of the successes, the things that turn into big, brilliant ideas um, that make headlines. And that's not necessarily what we should be striving for. It's something that I am all too aware of that knowing that like there's so much of my potential that I could leverage in all parts of my life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for a reason of getting other people's approval, you know, or society's approval in general, like even people I don't know. Um, Yeah. I mean, full circle, like related to this podcast too, is that we've had to be okay with things not being perfect or not coming out exactly the way that we wanted things to. And that's okay. You guys don't blame us for it but I feel like this is a great exercise in just doing something and getting it out there. You're doing it. You're doing it. And on that note, we did it. Bria and I are so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you. And we hope you continue to tune in to our conversations covering various topics surrounding anxiety. 
While we hope this podcast provides a sense of comfort, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that we are not doctors or any licensed professionals and cannot recommend treatment or give individualized advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or depression, please contact a mental health professional. The best part was at the same time, we like, you're like, come. And I was like, see it. And I was, I was going to just like bring that up because I was going to be like, Jesus Christ, Bria, we're hosting a podcast. We use the scientific terminology on this I was thinking about that what on my low drive brow home, the drive podcasting. home today. <laughs> what kind of lowbrow podcast do you think we're hosting here? Come, C U M, come. <laughs>